Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning. I'll soon see your beautiful faces. There you are. You know, I pay Jeremy every single Sunday to say that about me. I love him. I have to be his favorite. I'm really probably not. He listens to a lot of preachers, but I'm glad to be on a short list. Amen. So my name is Pastor Lindsay. I just have the honor and the privilege of leading Avenue with my husband. It is a ride. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing that we get to do each week. This church has incredible people in it. We have got incredible families, men, women, children that call this place home. And so I hope for you, if you're visiting us for the first time, that you feel, wow, This is a place that I could be. This is a place I can come check out again. This is a place that I can belong to. So we just love what we do. Could we raise some expectation in this room this morning? Could we say, this doesn't have to be just another Sunday in my life. I don't know what it took for you to get here this morning. If you have children under the age of five, God bless you. I don't know if they wanted to wear their shoes. I don't know if they knew where their shoes were. I don't know if you brought them with matching socks or no socks. It's cool. It's 80 degrees outside. But I don't know what it took for you to get here today. But I don't want today just to be another Sunday. When we say that our God is able and our God is willing and our God is all these things, can we have the expectation that he knows I'm in a seat today? Can we have the expectation that he knows that I came onto this property and that there are things in my life, areas that God, I'd I'd like you to say something about or or talk to me. And so let's raise that expectation. See, we're in this middle of a series called This Is Me. And I got to tell you, I love this song. And you may be like, this song is everywhere. I love that it's everywhere. I love this song. You see, when I first saw the movie, The Greatest Showman, and I, I heard this song, I was sitting in a dark theater with like, That real kind of cry where streams of tears just come down your face. It's not like, (laughs) it's just quiet and silent and tears are just coming down because I was inspired. Do you know that you can be inspired by things outside of the church walls? There are things throughout the world that inspire people. There are people that inspire us. There are moments in life that we look at and we're completely inspired by it. There's landscape that inspires us. Some of you can go to the ocean and be completely inspired by something. There's music. There's lyrics. They, they just ignite something in us. And, and what this song did is it inspired me. Because I know and I believe that there are people who do not feel as if they belong somewhere. See, the, the lyrics to the, this song is that I'm not a stranger to the dark. That hide away, they say, because you don't want my broken parts. See, there's things that people go through. And as I'm hearing the words to this song, that I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars run away because they'll never love you as you are. And I'm recognizing that there are people in my work, there are people in my church, there's people in my community in this world that do not feel like someone will love them as they are. They do not believe that if someone were to know who I am or to see my scars or to see my bruises, would they love me just as me? And see, we need to be a little bit more empathetic towards people, friends. See, empathy isn't just that I feel bad for you. No, empathy is I understand your emotion. And although I may not experience the exact same that you, things that you experience, but I empathize with that. I feel that. But the beautiful thing about empathy is that my empathy was met with truth. Because I looked at the problem. There is a problem where people do not believe 
that there is a God in heaven that loves them. They do not believe that there's a human being on this earth that could accept them the way that they are and believe that there is something spectacular in them. And so when empathy is met with truth, the truth is that there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, that loves them with everything that they are and who they are, loves them with everything that he is, and that he went to great lengths to chase us down, to pursue us when we felt that no one would pursue us. So when empathy is met with truth, we have a solution, friends. We have an answer to the problem. The problem of, this is me, they won't love me. Well, the answer is Jesus Christ, and I can't wait to share some of those things with you. Can we pray today? Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good. And it is the heartbeat of our church that people would know God, that they would find freedom, that they would discover God, that you created them with purpose and on purpose, and that they are called to make a difference. So I pray that today, Father, our expectation would be raised and that you would touch our hearts and inspire us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, my husband always says that every person has a name and Every name has a story. And we all have stories today. My story is different from your story. Your story is different from the person sitting to the next to you, to your left or to your right. But today I want to share with you a portion of Noah's story. So if you grew up, whether you were going to church or you never grew up going to church, you've probably still heard the story of Noah and the ark. You're familiar with it. There's, there's Bible storybooks and children's books in the library that all have to do with this tremendous time in, in the life of our history. You see, in Genesis chapter 6, we find that the world is a very violent and it's a chaotic place. And here God is having this thought that, why did I create this? And I want to put an end to it all. But in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, it says, but. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The next verse says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. That's knowing God. To, to walk faithfully with him, to stand out when everyone is doing one thing. But I have a relationship with the Lord, and I, I have this standard, I have this trust, I have these values in the truths of God. So I don't look like everybody else. I don't walk like everybody else. I don't talk like everybody else. You could even say that Noah was the odd man out. And if we're being honest, it's not always fun being the odd man out. Some people like it. But then I always wonder, do you really like it or is that just a defense mechanism? Because most of us don't like to be the odd man out. Noah was different. Noah did not reflect the culture of his time that he lived in. See, you're given, when you give your heart to Jesus, there's things that take place in your life. The things that you used to desire, you find yourself no longer wanting those things anymore. The things that you used to find humorous, well, well, that's changing a little bit, and I, I don't necessarily laugh at those things anymore. And now I have these desires, this drive to do something a little bit different, not because anyone is making me, but because something is just stirring up on the inside of me, and the way I used to live or the way I used to think just isn't cutting it for me anymore. And you find yourself that I'm the odd man out. I'm the odd man out at work. I used to just laugh it up with my coworkers on break. And now I find that our discussions really aren't that funny. In fact, they're quite insulting to people. And, and I'm just, I'm not feeling like I belong anymore. And it's a problem in my life. What about with your family? 
You used to be like the, the, the highlight of the family. And yet now you, you're starting to walk in a different way. And am I the odd man out of my family? I celebrated my birthday a couple uh, weeks ago. And I spent the day with my sister and, and my family at a lunch. And my sister spent the conversation at lunch trying to convince me that we didn't have the same mom and dad. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. My dad's not your dad. And my mom's not your mom either. <laughs> like, I don't know. So we're like having this conversation about how our parents might just not be my parent. And she's telling me that, well, Linz, you're not as tall as we are. We're pretty tall. And you don't really look like us. <laughs> you're kind of pale. <sighs> I know. And I've got freckles. Where did these come from, right? My hands are like freckled, but to the point where like, they're not pretty hands. Like they just, it's okay. I'm living with myself, but is my mom not my mom and is my dad not my dad, right? So we're having this conversation on my birthday. So you're not tall, you, you look kind of pale, like we're funny. This is what she's saying to me, we're funny. And she goes, ah, do you want a swab? And I'm like, I just want to eat my birthday cake. Like I'm sitting here having a conversation. And then this is the worst part, my Nana. Okay, I call her Nana, she's grandma. She's across the table from me. And she is laughing, like not like the boisterous fun. <laughs> it's the laughter where there's no sound, like that. And then my Nana is crying. And I'm thinking, Nana, are you crying because this is so ridiculous, it can't be true? Or Nana, are you crying because you're not my Nana? You're a liar. Like, what are we doing here with my family? Because all of a sudden, this conversation is making me feel like I'm the odd man out. This conversation is making feel like you don't belong. In fact, did you really ever belong? I came from a very small town in Wisconsin. I lived there for three months. That was it. The rest of the time, here in Las Vegas. That hospital was small, right? That's when they took your babies away. I looked like all the other babies. There could have been a possibility. And so here I am on the date of my birth, doubting who's on my birth certificate. And so, yay, happy birthday to me. I go out to my car to drive back to work. And my sister calls me. She goes, you know what? Never mind. I don't think it's true because mom is so guilty and honest that she would have told you by now. I go, so I'm not in the family by my merit. I'm in the family because my mom's conscience? Like, how does that work? But that was my conversation. And mind you, this was in the middle of a restaurant. My family's not private. I can't imagine what the people behind us were talking about as we're throwing out solutions to my who I belong to problem. But the mystery was solved. My mom wouldn't have told me. <laughs> But I want you to imagine Noah's world. So Noah's in this corrupt world, and yet he's faithful to God. And God says, I want to use you, Noah, and I'm going to ask you to do something that doesn't fit the norm. Imagine him and his community, because he has been called now to build something, to go above and beyond anything he's ever done, and to set his life aside to build an ark. Imagine the reaction of his family. Imagine the reaction of the community towards him. See, in Hebrews eleven seven, 7, it says, Faith opened Noah's heart. So this is people in the New Testament looking back at what God had done through ordinary men and women. And Hebrews eleven seven 7 says, Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out into reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. 
So something was coming that had never been seen. So it's not like he could measure up to say, what is this going to be like? What, what are these expectations of me? How are they going to look like? What are they going to look like? How is it going to get played out? And Noah had this huge role to play in this time of humanity. Can you imagine day after day, year after year, he was building an ark. This monstrosity of a thing. And each day he was serving and he was showing up. People believe that it took over 50 years for Noah to build an ark. This wasn't just, a, I'm going to commit a month of my life and knock out this little project for God. Or I'm going to give it a year. Let's, we're good at giving things a year, right? I'm going to sign a year contract to the gym. We'll see if I show up. No, he gave over 50. I never show up, guys. That really sucks. I'm really working on that. I never show up. That's why I don't do contracts anymore. Thank God for Planet Fitness. I can cancel whenever I feel like not going anymore. I'm paying. Anyways, he kept building. He kept showing up. He kept doing these things. See, God gave specific instructions for the ark. He told him how long this ark needed to be. 450 feet was how long this was going to be. The largest ship ever built in that time was probably 150 feet. And that wasn't even by his group of people. And so here you are, Noah, in the middle of an ordinary life, having to build this huge dream. Not only was it going to be 450 feet in length, but it was going to be made out of gopher wood. It's going to be covered with pitch, the Bible said, meaning that you're going to waterproof this thing with tar. It had to have three decks and a side door and a roof with a window. See, these were very specific instructions that Noah was given. And day after day, he chose to be obedient. Day after day, he chose to bring his hammer, bring his nails, bring a team and show up and build this thing to keep serving no matter what others say. Sometimes we can't last a week without quitting because of what others say. Sometimes we can't endure the, the words, the, the criticism that come from people to stand and do something. He didn't just stand, he kept working. I, it's not like you like went to Home Depot because your wife saw something on Pinterest and thought we could build this, babe. And you went and got your wood and you got your materials. You're like, it's cool. Like your community would understand that. What are you building? I have no idea. My wife pinned it. And so now I'm trying to figure out how to do this. But imagine 450 length boat arc of wood. How many trips to the Home Depot? No, the woods. How many trips, you know what I mean, to get these items? Year after year, decade after decade of ridicule and being pushed further and further outside of community. And then one day, it began to rain. One day it began to rain, and he entered the ark. The animals entered the ark, his family entered the ark, and the door closed. Decades of his life for this moment, and the door closed. I want you to imagine what Noah would be experiencing. Here he is in this middle of this thing that he built, friends. He built it. I want you to imagine the emotions that are going through his mind that he's like, my whole 50 past years led to this. Imagine him taking his hand and running it across the grain of the wood in the ark thinking, this is it. This is it. But I want to share something with you. God was very detailed in the instructions of how the ark was going to be built. And never in those instructions was there Noah build a navigational system. Never in those instructions of building this monstrosity of a boat that would survive, help you survive, were there ever instructions on how to build a rudder. 
The ark didn't come with a wheel. The ark did not come with the capability for the man who built it to steer it. So here Noah is, he gave 50 years of his life, 50 years of embracing the ridicule, of having those sit down dinners with his wife. Like, are we really doing this, babe? Are we still doing this, babe? You almost cut your hand off, Noah. You know what I mean? Like these things were happening. And in this moment, he boards this this boat and he has no control over the thing that he built. Isn't that amazing? See, what I want to talk to us today because when it comes to this is me, we can be that odd man out. We could be this person that I come with all these items. But it comes to a point where we have to ask ourselves, is control going to be a problem for me? As I'm inviting God into my life and I'm saying, you can do as you please. And I'm watching him move and do things in people's lives. And I'm getting inspired that maybe he could do that in my life too. But I'm telling you, if God is going to give us a dream and we get to build because you will work, what will you do if you don't get to steer? What will you do if you don't get to control where you go? See, control is this. Control often wants to make the plan. Control wants to dictate the steps. Control wants to call the shots. Control it, it plans and it plots and it strategizes and it works it out, doesn't it? When you're a thinker, you know how to make a plan. And that control brings it out of us. See, there are different types of people in this room. There are people like, yeah, I like control. I'm not trying to control people. I just like to be in control. I like to plan. I like to plot. And then there's other people like, no, 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 you just tell me what to do. <laughs> right? Like you're thinking about like, would I be Noah and I wanted to strategize all this and build and be the foreman and, and you know, organize this thing? Or would I be like, dude, I just want to be like the son who just can, or the wife. Can I just walk on up? Can I be the donkey that just gets a stall and I don't have a say in anything? I just get the ride. See, there's different types. We're all different. Some of us love the idea of control. Others are like, I am terrified and I don't want to make a decision. That's cool. We're different. Hello, my name is Lindsay. I'm a control addict. If I had to go to an anonymous group, it would be Controllers Anonymous because that is who I am. See, control, some of us come to a place where we need control because we came from environments which did not allow us control. We came from environments, whether they be healthy, unhealthy, dysfunctional, not functional, functioning, but we came from things or had experiences where I felt the effects of a lack of control and I did not like it. And so I remember being at a young age, I made a decision that people aren't gonna control me. I'm going to dictate the steps that this woman takes at that time that this 14-year-old takes. <laughs> but I said I was going to do this. See, see, our childhood, our relationships, our experiences, they've all contributed to our need for control. Because of my past, because of my scars, because of my bruises, these are areas in my life that I have to be the one that makes the plans for it. 371 days Noah was on that ark. 371 days with that door shut and no control. Some of us can't go 371 seconds without being the person who's calling the shots. Like you don't even like recognize a backseat driver. Like you are the driver and the backseat driver. Like we do this by ourselves, right? But 371 years, I built it, or 371 days, I built it, 
but I cannot drive it. 50 years of his life invested in something that he would never have control over. I want you to think about the most stretching experience that you've ever had. Just take a moment and just think about it. The most challenging thing that you've ever gone through. You're probably getting some emotions. Some of us can think like, wow, that was a rush. Others are like, Pastor Lindsay, I want to throw up right now because I'm remembering how it felt. But the most challenging experience you've ever had. If I were to ask you, if you were to ask me actually what my most challenging experience was, I would tell you it's church planting. Planting a church. And let me explain. Hear me, I've, I've experienced pain. I have held friends, the, friend, the hand of a friend, multiple, more than one, as they died. I've had to tell a father that his daughter was killed by a car accident. I had to tell him that. I've suffered personal loss. I have cried. I have had excruciating pain that doesn't go away but doubles you over. I've suffered things. You've suffered things. Some of you have had experiences that I can't even fathom. And the fact that you are here today is a miracle. I understand that. But I remember church planning. And why would you say, well, why church planning, Lindsay? Why is that the most challenging experience you've ever had? You see, I started with excitement. Because I love to plan. If you got a party, I will help you. I love to plan I love to strategize. I love paper. Come on, somebody. Sometimes your typing computer is not enough. Sometimes you got to get out the piece of paper, and you get to get out a pen, and you start just plotting and planning. Anybody here, like you're trekking with me, you're like, yes, that is me. I'm a planner. Can I get some feedback from you planners? Thank you. So I got excited because God had spoken, and he is entrusting us with this thing. Oh, and we're going to build it. We are going to plan, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Because I like hard work, friends. These hands show. They're not pretty. I like hard work. I will be your person that will pick up the hammer and the nails. I will be the first one to get there and lift that thing. Because I don't shy away from a challenge or something that is physical. I like to work. But I also like to be in control. And I remember one morning I'm sitting down because... I'm in this middle of this incredible dream. And if you were to say, wow, God, would I ever have thought he would have done this? I would have said, no way, this is amazing. But I find myself in the middle of this incredible dream and I'm frustrated and I'm angry because I wasn't holding the reins of my life. I found myself in my living room with my Bible and my glass of coffee because it's iced coffee and often the Bible just tastes better with iced coffee. That'll preach, yes. And I'm having this talk with God, and I'm telling him I'm scared, God. You see, I walked away from the things that brought stability to my life. I, I, I left the job. I left the medical insurance. I sold the home that had a super low mortgage that was beautiful. And if you were to ask me, is it worth it? 100% it's worth it. But it doesn't mean it didn't poke at my fears. And I'm sitting here drinking my coffee, and I said I'm scared, God. And this is what God told me. You see, I had a savings account because I'm a planner. I ain't stupid. I'm going to this thing smart. I sold my house and I put away. Come on, somebody like, I sold my house. I gave to the church and I put my money away because I needed to know that the Boswells were going to be okay. 
And I'm sitting there with my Bible and I say, God, I am scared because I don't know what's happening. The unknown brings fear in our lives. The unknown just shows us because you can't have the unknown and have control. And God said, I want you to give your money away. And I said, what? (laughs) And this is in my head because my husband's just sitting right across from me and he's having his coffee and he's enjoying his life because this man operates in the gift of faith. So the gift of faith loves the unknown. They get all excited and crazy and woo, get people to join them. But the woman married to the man with the gift of faith is like, how are we going to pay for this? (laughs) You want to eat, son? (laughs) What's this going to look like? And I start crying those, you know, silent tears. And he's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) What scripture are you reading? (laughs) Because I'm realizing that my need for control was robbing me of the joy of planting a church. The need for control is going to rob you of the joy and the thrill ride of the journey that God has for you. And so what did he do? He took my security, the security that I built with my own hands. I built that savings account. And he said, give it away. I did. Because God wants obedience from us, friends. He wants obedience and he honors obedience. And I should have already had it in my head that you love me. What you've called me to, you'll provide for me. And see, I will preach it all day long. But when I have to be in the hot seat (laughs) and when God starts poking the bear called Lindsay and says, darling, I love you and I've got plans for you. But there are areas in your life that you're not trusting me with. See, there's things in our lives that set us up for failures. When I have this need for control, it's because I didn't always have control. But do I trust the one that ultimately has control of my life? And so he called me to give away my security. And let me tell you, friends, I didn't go without. He brought it right back and even more so. But he was asking, do you trust me? See, we have to fight control because control will rob you. It robs. And we fight control by trust. And see, we can't always trust in something that we haven't experienced. Why do I trust the ability of my car to get me from my house to here? Because I've done it. I know my car has four wheels. I know my car has gas. It has an oil change. Don't forget about that. That'll ruin your car. And so here I have this this motor vehicle to get me from one place to another. But when God is calling you to go somewhere and you don't know how you're going to get there, You have to trust. And how do we build our trust when we don't have that knowledge? See, if your knowledge does not match your need, you need to increase your knowledge. You don't need to decrease your need. You need to increase your knowledge. We need to get into our Bible. And if I'm struggling believing that God is going to take care of my family, then I need to read that my God is a provider. I need to be in Matthew chapter 6 of all these things that he lists that he's going to take care of for me. If I'm in a situation where I have everyone is coming against me and I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm getting all this, this opposition, I need to start reading in Psalms that God fights for me, that he is my strong tower, that he has my back. And when my God goes before me, come on, somebody, things are going to happen. See, if your knowledge does not match your need, don't decrease your need. Don't abandon the dream. Don't abandon God's plan. No, increase your faith. 
increase your knowledge, your trust. Faith comes by hearing and by what? Hearing of the word of God. And then we need to learn to release. See, that day on my couch, God had me release. It wasn't a money thing. See, if my issue would have been something else, he would have had me release that which was connected to my issue. Does that make sense? But my issue, my need for control was that we were going to be okay financially, that I was going to have a roof over my head, that I wasn't going to go without to an extent. <laughs> like I can do Top Ramen, friends. I'm cool with that, right? But I don't want like Top Ramen not to be even be an option. <laughs> and he took, he asked me to release it. So God may be asking you today to release something. And he's not releasing it, asking you to release it to hurt you. He's asking you to release it because he has something more for you. And you can't take that with you. You can't take control into the unknown. Do you know that Noah was okay? Y'all, it worked out just fine. 371 days later, he landed on this beautiful piece of land and the water was subsiding and he stood on dry ground, perfectly fine, family intact. He arrived, do you know, on February 12th, 2017, we arrived as Avenue Church, perfectly intact. The Bosma family was still living. <laughs> 389 people heard the message of Jesus Christ that day. 85 people joined us on that journey just in the beginning. We're okay. And we're just getting started. You see, Noah built it for 50 years. And that can, that can bring self-confidence in us. And hear me, I, I'm not against confidence. I don't want Eeyores walking around, right? Like, <laughs> no, have some confidence, friends. But because it was him who built it, he was able to build a lot of self-confidence. I did a lot of work to play an avenue. And I found myself running on self-confidence instead of God confidence. See, self-confidence says, I got this. God confidence says, he's got this and I'm in it and it's gonna be okay. So if we're sitting here today and we're saying, ooh, do I have God confidence or do I have self-confidence? Because self-confidence will run out when you get tired. Self-confidence will run out when you don't feel like doing it anymore. But God-confidence urges you on and says, keep going. There is something on the other side of the unknown, something that you can't even fathom. You can't imagine it. I'm going to bless your socks off. You've desired a family. You have no idea what I have in store for you on the other side of the unknown. And our unknown periods of time are different. For Noah, it was 371 days. For you, it might be 371 hours. God bless you. That's awesome. Yay. <laughs> That's a short amount of time. For others, you're like, I've been waiting 15 years. But it's still on the other side of the unknown, friends. So relinquish control. Step in faith. But one more thing. I found it very interesting that if you look at what the name Noah means, it means comfort. It means comfort. Comfort will kill your purpose if you only choose to remain comfortable. Comfort is a purpose killer. And you will not be able to step into everything that God has for you. Do you know that statistically speaking, 85% of Christians just stop at salvation? And hear me, that's awesome. I want you to spend eternity in heaven. 
I want Jesus to live in your heart, but there is more life than just that. God wants you to step into purpose. He wants you to realize that before you were in your mother's womb, I created you. You are immaculate to me. You are intricate, detailed on the inside, and you are extravagant on the outside. And I want to pull out dreams and purposes and gifts that you didn't even know were there yet. But we can't do that if we desire comfort more than what's on the other side of the unknown. And so are we comfortable? Let me ask a couple questions today. In this room, are you at a place where you're odd man out and you're just suffering? And you don't feel like you have the strength to stand the pressure of being unlike others. If that is you, I'm gonna pray for you today. Or are you a person who you have been building and building and working and praying. Hear me, Noah gave sweat, blood, and tears. And you have been slaving away at something and yet you have no control of the outcome. And you are sitting in your seat and you are struggling and you're frustrated and you are hurt and you are disappointed and you're thinking, I can't go another day like this. And I'm telling, no, you can't. I agree with you. You can't keep going another day like this. But maybe you need to release control. Because better is a struggle in the hands of God than in the hands of man. There's an outcome with the hands of God. You see, there's a scripture that you often hear in your, in your Christian journey, and that's Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. It doesn't always feel like it's gonna work out according to his purpose. It doesn't always feel like it's gonna go in, in my favor, but I promise you, hang on because your God is able. And if you are at a place where you are so comfortable and you are fear of being uncomfortable, you are scared of feeling any type of discomfort, hear me, that's why I hate the gym. I don't like the discomfort on my thighs. That does not, it doesn't excite me. I don't enjoy it. But if I only had vision for what Lindsay could look like, <laughs> if she stuck to the gym, if she let those thighs burn a little, I wouldn't be wearing capris. No, I'd be wearing shorts. Come on, somebody's gonna be 120 degrees soon. But you gotta get vision. And you've got to get hope for the future that if I just step out of my discomfort, out of my comfort zone and into something maybe a little uncomfortable, God is going to do something amazing. I want to end with this scripture. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. My God can do exceedingly abundantly, more than I can think, more than I can imagine. So let me get okay with being odd man out. Let me be all right that I don't have control. And let me be willing to lose my comfort to be able to go to that next place that God has for me. Will you stand with me, friends? I want to do something today because I want to give you the opportunity to respond to this. And I want us to pray together. And for some of you, you may be praying this for the very first time, that I have never in my life asked God to take reins. I've never in my life asked God to take control of this particular situation. But I want to pray with you today. So if you would, please pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I release control in my life, in my situation. I believe that you have plans for my life, 
that you created me with purpose. Give me strength to step out of my comfort and step towards you. If you have never made Jesus Lord of your life, meaning I've never asked him to come into my heart, I want you to pray this with me. Dear Lord, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Let me see that you have plans for me, that you love me where I'm at, and that you desire to be in relationship with me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to know that there is so much more out there for you, church. There's so much more out there for your family. And if we are willing just to take another step towards God, there are great things to happen. If you are here and you'd like more prayer at this time, please feel free. We're going to have some prayer team members on this side of the worship experience. But I love you. I believe in you. And I think it's going to be a great next season in your life.